Good morning, everybody, and welcome to WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul. We are Frogtown Community Radio, and you're listening to the 945 show. It's Mike Rez. Bridge Sky is here. Good morning, Bridge. Good morning. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm nice and warm and cozy. I just <laughs> ate some French toast bites and hash browns. Wow. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It's almost like you're at home and not in the studio. That, yeah, ding! <laughs> <laughs> be correct. Right. All right, so we got a great show lined up for you today. But before we get started, Bridge, I don't want to bury the lead. You have a brand new show debuting today, don't you? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it leaked out yesterday, the post. Uh, yeah, so Creators Canvas. I'm so excited. I worked my butt off. Uh, I hope the intro is as cool as yours, Mike. <laughs> I saw our guests bobbing their heads, so I know that uh, I had a... Big shoes to fill. But yes, Creators Canvas, uh, our first, the first interview is with Barry Kornhauser. He is the playwright, award-winning playwright that wrote and adapted Corduroy, which is now playing at the Children's Theater Company. And so, um, yeah, it's 30 minutes, which is nice. That was fun editing. However, there is a full unedited version of the interview, <laughs> which... I don't know if you really want to. I'm kind of insecure about that interview. He actually asked me a question at the end, but that full extended, you can go. There's a podcast on all the podcast platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, whatever the Apple one is. I don't have an Apple. <laughs> um, and YouTube. So, yeah, you could go on there and get the full interview. But, yeah, it's, I think it's right after our show. Awesome. So we're looking forward to that. So stick around. Uh, for that. It's uh, 30, 30 minutes long, um, and I've already heard the episode. You did a great job, Bridge, so congratulations on the new show starting. Well, I had the best teacher. <laughs> Was it <Shout> Philip? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you want more information on this station, go to WFNU.org. You can visit us there 24-7. We're also streaming there 24-7. You can also download the WFNU app, uh, and you can find out more information from us there. Plus, you can get the schedule of when your favorite WFNU show is on, like this one or like Bridge's new one. Uh, and then you can also go back and listen on demand for two weeks on the app. Uh, but, of course, everything is podcasted these, uh, now, so this show is also podcasted. Uh, available everywhere as well. Big podcasting news, though. Uh, Anchor is now Spotify for podcasters. Uh, Spotify has bought Anchor about two years ago, and now Spotify has officially gotten their tentacles and their brand on almost everything now. So uh, we'll talk about that at a later show, I'm sure. So, But we have some great guests in studio today, Bridge. Uh, we have one singer-songwriter producer that has released records and toured extensively, produced artists like Harry Noble and Billy McLaughlin. We also have in studio somebody who's helped two bands. One was Soul Asylum and the other is Golden Smog. We have Jeff Arundel and Dan Murphy in studio. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Good. Thanks Good for morning. having us. Great. Uh, now, you have a new project out uh, that is called The Scarlet Goodbye, uh, and you're having a vinyl release show on March 26th at the Ice House in Minneapolis with uh, Willie Wisely. Uh, the name of the album is called Hope's Eternal. The release show is 21 plus and the doors open at 5 p.m. And I believe the tickets are available on Eventbrite. Uh, so you want to check that out. So welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys coming in during this uh, 
We'll call it a blizzard. Arctic blast. Right. Yeah. Dan, I've decided, looking at this weather, that hope is not eternal. We're going to have to go back and <laughs> snow's eternal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially snow's this year. eternal. <laughs> you could do like a companion album. Yeah. Snow's eternal or something. The even darker version of Hope's Eternal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's like uh, all the stuff that you're like, oh, this one doesn't fit. You know. That one was too bleak. Yeah. But not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a few you have up here, young man. Oh, thank you very much. I. Had nothing to do with it, but I'll take the credit for it. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you uh, start off by telling us uh, a little bit more about yourselves? Uh, and uh, Jeff, we'll start with you. I'll let you go first. Oh, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I've been lucky to be around music. Dan and I have been around music a long time, but we hadn't run into each other ever. And that happened a couple of years ago. But I've been lucky to be a performer and then a producer and an amazing journey, you know, throughout the hinterlands. <laughs> Dan was a little more in the, um, you know, core center of the thing, and I was always in the hinterlands, typically. <laughs> well, people are always nice to me when I go out in Minneapolis because I was never around. I was gone, like, for 20 years, you know, right. touring, and we were on Sony. So um, Sony was a New York label, Columbia, and, we, you know, toured – Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, South America, everywhere except for China, Russia, and like Thailand and the Philippines. I can kind of think we've more or less been. And it was fun for a long time. And then I took a, I think I was rollerblading around the lake. And I said, do I really want to be doing this? I'm like for so many years. And I kind of took a kind of an unexpected leave of absence from Soul Asylum in particular and music and I really didn't play for I don't know six or seven years after playing you know 20 hours a week at least for 30 years mm -hmm. and I went to a house party that Jeff was having for the holidays and um, I just met Jeff because I live on the block he has a couple of properties and he went up to the studio and he had like this pretty humble but lovely attic studio just a great space to work and he played this track that he'd recorded, and it was called uh, I'm Played Out. It was just a lovely song. I didn't know at the time that Jeff had written it. And it was just lovely. And I was like, kind of looking at him, I'm like, you recorded this track here? You know, not that it was, you know, it just didn't, it didn't look like a L.A. or New York recording studio that right. I was accustomed to being in. And so we kind of beat around the idea that maybe it'd be fun to get together and try to write something. I mean, we really didn't even know each other that well. And uh, a couple weeks later, we got together, and we sat up there with acoustic guitars. And the first song that we wrote together was one that's on the record called Paris. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. It's kind of dark, and it's kind of tuneful. And um, it just, for whatever reason, it seemed like we kind of clicked, I think because of our different experiences and tastes musically. Like we brought different things to the the writing process. And, yeah, it went pretty good. I think we wrote that song in like two settings, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been called, Mike, the most unlikely mashup in Minnesota music <laughs> history. Yeah, it was a yeah. uh, chance meeting. Yeah. and Yeah. yeah. Just... And I really hadn't even considered like getting back in. And, but I was sitting, listening to this track, and it sounded just lovely. It's a nice room, and I just like, I kind of looked at Jeff, and I said, God, you know, I used to do this. It's been so long. You know, it was like, it kind of just dawned on me that parts of being in a band that tours, I think, made 20 records was... Part of it was fun. I just get kind of inundated with how much mundane, repetitive things 
your life looks like every week. Oh, we got to get to the airport at nine o'clock and load 40 flight cases onto an <laughs> airplane. It's just that seemed to be a lot of the existence. Right. Uh, and that could go goodbye at any time. And I was kind of thankful that it did. But yeah, it was kind of a, a chance meeting. And um, I was very surprised, not that I thought you were a slouch, Jeffrey, but I was very surprised <laughs> that we were able to uh, write together as easily as we did. Yeah. There it is. We can wrap this up now, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But the way, thanks for watching and listening that's to the, the show. Story. Thank you. Thanks, yep, listeners. Right. Thank you. <laughs> so we, we actually have a couple of songs from the new album, so we're going to play those. Uh, a little bit later, um, listeners of the show know how this works. We'll listen to that, and then we'll have you guys do the weather. So, and then cool. after that, that's usually when listenership drops off. Is yep. after the yeah. weather. Yeah, understandable. Because <laughs> we're Minnesota, and that's yep. all we really. I think care in this about. case, it's when you play the song. <laughs> 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 all right, now Dan, in 2012, you did announce that you were going to be stepping away mm-hmm. from music and focusing on. I read family, friends, and your dog. My dog's dead now, but <laughs> Lily Bell, I loved her. She was a stinker, though, I got to tell you that. <laughs> she was a Cheweenie, right? Yeah, she was a Cheweenie. Okay. A, a shelter dog that we adopted. But yeah, I mean, I'd kind of, I don't know. I mean, it was a lot of really good times, but I, you know, I started that band when I was 18, and we got our first record deal when I was 21, and I think we made 20 records, you know? And had some personnel changes, um, and I just, I don't know, I, 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 I'm very proud of the music, and I think, you know, Dave's a very gifted writer and singer, and I think that Dave and I worked well together in the studios. It just kind of felt to me that it had run its course. Right. What more can you do? Yeah. What more do I want to do, you know? So... They're still out there playing. I think they're playing the State Theater. And uh, Columbia Records is releasing um, uh, an Unplugged that we did for MTV. Oh, okay. So the double record comes out. And that was like one of the highlights. I mean, we had the woman, Lulu, that sang To Sir With Love come up and play with us. A duet with Dave was just like gave me chills. It was so good. So I'm excited that this music is coming out. And um, I think that happens in a week or two. But I think the band is going to play a show at the State Theater with a full orchestra. Oh, wow. To kind of commemorate or commiserate uh, the release of <laughs> the Unplugged thing. So, Will you be making any onstage appearances? No, there? I will not. Okay. <laughs> so now the uh, you gave away or you donated a guitar, but you also got rid of some of your equipment. So you were done done. Yeah, I mean, Jeff knows this, but when I came to the first gig, I had a laundry basket for like, <laughs> my gig bag. One of the happy things for Dan has been now he can buy equipment again. Yeah. Which he's been furiously. <laughs> I got rid doing. of just about everything. And uh, I did. I donated one. I had two gold tops that I played, and I donated one to the Minnesota Historical Site right here. And they put it in there. Um, First Avenue show, which was really cool. I mean, I walked oh, in really there awesome. and they had a big, huge showcase like next to Prince's pants and Carl Mueller's <laughs> Converse shoes. It was like nice. super cool. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of, I was really, really done with it when I was done with it. Yeah. And yet here I am. Right. Yeah. You're so done that you're making more music, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that kind of happens a lot when, like, especially if you really loved it, but you knew that, okay, at this time of my life, I'm done, and it feels done. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you go to a holiday party, and you meet someone that is into music, and you like what's going on. and Has a nice studio that has good lighting, and there's 
beautiful instruments lying around. I was like, huh. I, I did kind of like this for a second. <laughs> Mike, one of the funny stories that's not exactly true is how rusty Dan was, oh, right? <laughs> and so he comes over and we start playing and I look at him like, you played on The Tonight Show? <laughs> I was so bad. I mean, A, you get calluses if you play guitar. Right. B, it's like total, like, it's not like writing up. It's like muscle memory. Like, I could hear stuff in my head. Right. But to make my fingers do it, I was just like grimacing and sitting there and <laughs> swearing. I was like, God. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't actually that. It's a good way to tell that, but it wasn't right. as bad as he makes right. it. Well, it was. It was a little down from my peak years. Yeah, yeah. Let's just it was say down that. From the peak right, years, right, so. yeah. But you're building back up, right? You're getting yeah. the stamina back oh, yeah. and the he's endurance, back. and I'm back. he's back. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's good to hear. So it was well, it's pa- kind of like high school. Yeah. Can I, can I? Sorry, I just to my mind it came that it's like high school. Like I was so happy to graduate. Uh, mind you, this is 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so glad to be out of there. And like, through the years now, I'm, I'm, I missed that routine of, you know, basically the whole day of learning and educating. Now you got to pay thousands of dollars for it. So, but I'm trying to go back to school and I totally missed high school. Probably it took five or 10 years later, but now it costs money every time I try to go back to school. So. <laughs> I think in my case, it was like graduating from the school of hard knocks, you know? (laughs) Here's an interesting question, though, which is I have dreams that I'm back in high school. You know, I have those dreams Mm -hmm. and I don't have them that often, but they're always kind of interesting when I have them. Did Danny, did you ever have a dream that you were back in the band? I have a dream that it's a reoccurring dream, and I have it so many times I can wake myself up when I'm having this dream because it's not great. But I had a guitar tech that was kind of a sweet guy, but he convinced me that my fingers emitted some kind of like nasty thing on guitar strings, and I shouldn't walk around in the studio and touch guitars because he has to change his strings on them because my skin has some kind of some chemical that makes guitar strings and he made kind of a big deal out of this and I guess I, I remember it well so I'm talking about it but I have these dreams now that I'm at the guitar store and I'm trying to play this guitar and my hands are like big foam things that you see at football games oh, like the, yeah. like the, the Viking yeah, yeah. one yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I have like these foam mitts as hands and I'm unable to play like these shows at First Avenue because I'm growing these so I don't know. That's a really bad dream to have reoccurringly. Thanks, Eric. Did you ever have the dream <laughs> that you're on stage, but you suddenly don't know anything? Oh yeah, I have the dream that, that dream. like they changed the set list on me, and like there's 12 songs that are in the set list that I've never played or heard, mm. and I'm like, uh, okay. And it's like, yeah, like yeah. always just at First Avenue, so I'm like, kind of like, oh, <laughs> there's someone I know, and I'm not. Right. Making any good noise up here, you know? Right. Yeah. I have that dream, but I'm at the ground round in Brooklyn <laughs> oh, Center. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you're just between washing dishes shifts, yeah, right? I, my shift has ended and I'm on stage. <laughs> have they had good burgers there at the mm-hmm. ground Did, round? Do you remember the ground I round? I do remember yeah. the ground round. They had, bar, yeah. Yeah. in Minneapolis, they had music, uh, you know, they had six or seven of them, and I was in a duo, and you played five nights a week, four hours a night. Wow. You know, it was like the wow. Beatles at the Cavern Club. You just played. And we, we only knew, so it was four sets a night. Okay. But we only knew two sets. And so we would do sets one and two and then repeat them. So by Thursday night or Friday night, set three, which is set one, and you'd played this stuff so much. You were so sick of it. You had one more night to go even. <laughs> but it was a great place. I mean, they 
right. was thriving. Well, also, it's sad to say, because it's not very creative, but repetition really creates a part of music that's necessary. Oh, just yeah. like, you know, yeah. just like the technical, like, wherewithal to trudge through smoke on the water, even when you don't feel like yep. it. Right. It was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And good in a lot of ways, but. I've talked to a lot of artists that say they get, you know, the fatigue of repetitive, especially if you're performing a lot, that's. Yeah, I've never sung as much as I do in this band, so I'm like trying to learn how to breathe and like to kind of relax enough to do it, and then do warm ups and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because you did you sang in Soul Asylum. Yeah, I sang but... high harmonies mostly. Okay, and I sang leads like on Cartoon and a couple other songs. In the Smog, we have like four singers, so there was kind of you could share the load. Har- yeah harmonies and stuff and um but yeah i mean you typically like in a solo song show i'd sing a song or two in a smog show like three or four but i've never you know jeff and i kind of interesting characters to our voices i think harmonize it's like i don't know we really worked mm-hmm. on that on the record that was mm-hmm. the funnest part of music to me is harmony singing mm-hmm. and i think that we created some things that were weren't the obvious things you would go to it was like oh that's weird but i like it you know yeah. Well, we each had ideas that the other wouldn't have had, mm. you know, and I think that happened for both of us, right? It'd be yeah. like, Dan would have an idea. I think, well, I never would have done that. That's I would have great. never thought of that, but yeah. I like it. You yeah. know, right. that happened a lot. So, All right. You're listening to the 945 show on WFNULP 94.1 FM, St. Paul. We are Frogtown Community Radio. Uh, I am Mike Rez. Bridge Sky is joining us. And we have in studio the Scarlet Goodbye we have Jeff and Dan. Uh, they have a show coming up. Uh, the vinyl release show uh, is coming up on March 26th at the Ice House. Uh, doors open at 5. Show starts at 7. Uh, it is 21+. plus. Tickets are available uh, at Eventbrite if you want to check that out. Now, we were talking about the first collaboration was Paris. Um, did you two go into that knowing this was going to turn into the scarlet goodbye or was this just like let's just see how this goes and if it works out then let's talk afterwards but let's just get paris done you know i thought i was helping dan kind of discover dan and dan got there and he said all right i got an idea you're gonna sing it and that was news to me and that's kind of how that started you know it's like oh interesting so the whole thing which i thought was going to be just i'm going to help dan reconnect to himself became this thing that we started doing together immediately. And one aspect of that is that Dan's intuitive writing style is different than mine because my writing style is to tell a story and Dan's was more mystical, I would say, than that. And so actually a lot of the songs are this interesting mashup of storytelling and a narrative, but something that's not as literal you know, as let's say a singer songwriter, opaque, yeah, yeah sure. it's more opaque. So that that was another aspect of where it went to right away. And actually, it happened pretty fast. Yeah. The first thing we recorded was Paris, and then I had this idea that I'd kind of sang. I hadn't, if I hadn't played guitar in a long time, I really hadn't sang in a long time, so it was pretty ragtag sounding. But I had another idea that kind of was a song I was working on, and then Jeff went down to the kitchen for a little bit, and then I. We had a drummer and a bass player that I'd never worked with, um, Ben Peterson and Pat Nelson up there. And I like I met these guys, and within an hour, they had recorded Paris. And I was like, 
skept- I was skeptical. I mean, not that they're bad guys. I just didn't. I said, I don't know these guys, Jeff. I don't know if I'm going to like them. What if they don't work for me? What's going to happen? And Jeff's like, I think you like these guys. But it's weird. Like, those guys had never met me. Mm-hmm. I'd never met them. Sit down in a room. Jeff and I have acoustic guitars probably and say, hey, I got a song that's like this. And I kind of wanted to rock out. And like I would say within 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. We had that song, and mm-hmm. it's kind of complex. It's like in three specific sections. It starts kind of like a, a folk song, and then it kind of picks up steam, and then it has like this whole who kind of Tommy kind of break, and then you're rocking. So it's like kind of a complex idea as it was written. So I was pretty impressed with that. And so we kind of were trudging along. We did um, a song called Rosary and a song called Surprise the next session. So we basically those guys would come up, and we'd do two songs in an evening, and then we kind of capped it at six songs, and we started mm-hmm. talking to a record deal, about a record deal. Um, and this woman's like, we don't do EPs. Like, no one no one wants an EP. You guys got to keep writing. And we're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost you got to, if you if you self-publish, yeah. EPs are fine. Yeah. <laughs> and so that kind of took us over the edge, you know? And right. like, you know, in all candor, Jeff, you've done it, but I've never recorded and written it, it, with Jeff very much in this case, I've never recorded and written a whole record. I mean, I've recorded a lot of whole records, but I've never been involved in the writing. I mean, in Solo Slam, Dave wrote 90% of the songs. So it was interesting, but it really kind of seems like it was um, something you really had to stay after, right? Well, a weird thing about it, too, this happens most of the time in that process where you think you're done and all of a sudden this <laughs> other thing squirts out. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, God, we got to do that. You know, that's too good to not do. And then, Mike, the other thing, and it's no joke, the minute you're done with it, you think it sucks. And oh, the yeah. only thing that'll be good is the new stuff that you're going to yeah. work on. Yeah. No lie. It's so true. And even guys like McCartney say, oh, yeah, yeah, the minute we got done with Let It Be, we thought it was awful. And we wanted to move on. <laughs> you know. It worked so, out okay for yeah. them. Yeah. It's just the they creative, recouped. Yeah. yeah. The creative yeah. process is what it is, you know. Yeah, well, I think that's like the artistic mind, you know, artists of any medium, whether it's music or physical or, you know, whatever it is, they, they're they never really happy. And I think as humans, we just aren't really happy with what we produce and other people see it as this great, wonderful thing. And you just, to yourself, yeah. you can never see past that. Yeah, no, you can't. There's a technical side to it called mixing where you take all the stuff and you distill it down to the final version that's you know, stereo right and left track. And it's a skeleton sitting in a chair in front of the mixer. And the thing <laughs> under it is like, it's almost done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, you well, can... I can chime in here too. Yeah. With the, the creator's canvas, you know, I used to do uh, YouTube videos like way back 15 years ago. But I forgot how much I love the editing process until I'm done. It's like putting a puzzle together, you know, because I'm adding these sounds that I think go with this person's story and these elements. And Mike got my text. I'm like, Mike, you need to listen to it at this point because I hate it. I literally (laughs) hate it. It's a blur, you know, and all I needed was some outside feedback. So it was. I think anybody that creates something where it's going to be scrutinized by people or listened to by people, I think, you know, you always you're. I think human nature is you have self-doubts and you go, ah, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that Absolutely. kind of drives you and pushes you to, to do the you know the best job you're capable of. And I think that's a pro- – like in the recording process, I mean, every record I've ever made, you're sitting there and one day you go, 
God, are like we on something or are we on to something? You just don't know because you hear the material so much, too. I mean, Jeff did the editing of this stuff, and I would say, like, a song like Rosary, you probably sat there and listened to it 500 times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. And then yeah. the 500 time, you go, is this thing any good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I listened to it four times this morning for Rosary. <laughs> so nice. I have questions about that. Nice. Right. Mike, let's play something. You want to play some yeah, music right on, now? Come on, let's play something. Okay, we can do that. Let's get into... Uh, I have three songs here, um, and the only one of the three that I have that we've talked about is Surprised. So we have Great. Surprised. We also have Angel Dust and uh, The Ballad of Julie Ann. Cool. So we're going to listen to those. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about each one. Great. Um, and then uh, we will talk about where we can get a copy of the album and... Do the weather. How's that awesome. sound? I can't wait to do the weather as I look out your window. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it looks uh, it looks quite amazing out there. Button up, kiddos. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a preview of what's to come. Yeah. So, all right, we're talking to the Scarlet Goodbye, and you're listening to the 945 Show on Frogtown Community Radio.
Setting fires, carnal desires, but we've been listening to liars. We could never seem to read a room. Wildfires, funeral pyres, tube amplifiers.
It's like a nursery that's painted black. was the scarlet goodbye with the ballad of julianne on the 945 show awesome music i gotta say this is the probably the first time we've had the artists in studio put on their headsets to listen to see how it sounds coming out <laughs> narcissist well no i get it you want to yeah. see what it's out because yeah, everything sounds different yes. you know you put it on a cd you put it on a vinyl you put it on an mp3 versus a wave file i mean it all sounds absolutely different yeah. and to audiophiles you can pick out mm-hmm. like someone no radio adds a, a level of compression to everything it makes the vocals mm-hmm. and the background vocals kind of pop a little bit more yeah. right yeah yeah it's fun to hear yeah so we heard uh the ballad of julianne just now before that was surprised and then before that we started off with angel dust now um bridge is going to tell us a little bit about dan's dream but i first before we do that i want to talk about uh the songs we just heard uh let's start with the ballad of julianne is julianne a real person and where did she go uh she is a real person and she was a little jarred to hear the song actually. <laughs> <laughs> sorry julianne <laughs> but it's actually a, a fictitious story um, and we actually made just a beautiful video for it, I think. I hired a, a local filmmaker named Pablo Jones, and I cast a young couple as Julianne and her um, boyfriend that kind of go through some hardships. And basically the story of the video is they're a young couple, they, you know, their mattress is on the floor, they got an apartment in Dickytown, and mm-hmm. um, they add a baby to the family, kind of unexpectedly, but they kind of welcome it into their fold, and they try to make plans with that, and Julianne decides that she's not trucking with that and so she joins like a traveling burlesque show that's called the scarlet goodbye mm. and kind of leaves 
Julie, Mr. Julianne at home with the baby. And so he's like, the nursery is painted black. So the weird thing is the woman that I cast to be Julianne in the video, her name is Esther Levy, and she's a daughter of Adam Levy that's in all those bands. Yep. But in Golden Smog lore, we had a song, like our first successful or popular song was called V, and Esther is the daughter of V. That's on like the uh, Smog record that is pretty endearing to people. So it kind of just comes full cir- circle somehow, which is really odd to me. Yeah. It's a tight-knit community that's yeah. really large. And, the, and there's your <laughs> proof, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, uh, Adam and Turn, Turn, Turn yeah, in yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So. I love their new record. It's really good. Yes, it's a great record. The title song is just exquisite. Yeah, it's Old awesome. From the, yeah, it's just a beautiful song. All right, so let's talk about Surprised. Um, I like that one because that, that one's got like the real mystical sound to it. Yeah. So And it's just got it's just upbeat enough where you just like... Like, oh, I like this. Let's mm-hmm. sit back and enjoy a couple beers and listen to this one on repeat. Yeah, Dan had a really good lyric contribution, which was uh, Biden my time like a four-leaf clover, meaning a four-leaf clover is just sitting there waiting to be discovered. To right? picked. Like, right, picked. yeah. And what I liked about Surprised is I always loved that song, Ode to Billy Joel, right? Mm-hmm. And even I... Something about it, it wasn't that I could actually understand it that well. I just, I got the message sort of unliterally, you know what I mean? And so the idea of making a more modern day, you know, that was a singer, Bobby Gentry, Ode to Billy Joe, where they always talked about throwing the flowers into the river at the end of it. I think the body, too, the day that Billy Joe McCafferty jumped off the Tallahassee Bridge. Yeah, and it's, so there was just this mysticism, this murky mysticism. And it kind of had that that Billy Joel. It kind of has this like uh, swampy yeah. kind of yeah. like sound of the track. It's kind of swampy yeah. and and kind of you know. So that, yeah, I, I can see that's a really uh, reference point. That's and we that's one we really kind of um, I think we we kind of shine on the the background vocals. It's just lovely. Yeah, and the whole idea of you know she's you don't exactly know why she's surprised, maybe totally, but. But that didn't matter that much. That that wasn't that literal because ideally the song is communicating an emotion, right? You know, outside yeah. of that. So, and if you can leave it open ended, then it yeah. means something different to right whoever's on. listening yep. to it. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then the the song we started off with is uh, was Angel Dust, um, and of those three, that's that's the uh, one that's I'll call it more just upbeat, just because yeah. of yeah. Uh, it's more like the like the rock kind of tune well it's funny you say that because jeffrey who's sitting here said like can't we like write and record something that's like happy and it was like (laughs) kind of in the midst of the pandemic and everything that was going on in minneapolis and that was actually sort of a conscious attempt to write a unrequited love song that was happy so i mean it's kind of a jangly jangly guitar line and melody and i think there's a lyric about um the ties that bind could be our remedy so like you know, like it's you don't not feeling entrapped in a relationship, but feeling that that that's something that can set you free. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the sentiment of that lyrically, I think. Yeah, Angel Dust. The idea obviously is that it's a woman, and but I love the lyric "Angel Dust across the northern skies." I I just to me they should chant that at the Wild Game. You know what I mean? Like what a I don't know something about being here and. Thinking about that just really got me, you know. Yeah. That, 
you I know. think a lot of the, the songs that we wrote, I mean, I think the lyrics are really, really thought out, but I think there's an economy of words in a lot of it, you know, it's like not fourth verse stuff. I mean, I guess yeah. the Ballad of Julianne has a lot of words, but the other stuff we tried to be pretty concise yeah. yep. and kind of, um, my theory, like with writing, we, we tour so much that if you had a lyric that you really thought was a throwaway lyric and you just dreaded when you'd have to sing it in the song, <laughs> let's not have those moments happen very much. Cause like, right. you know, cause if you're out there and you're like, Oh God, I can't believe I, I settled on this third verse. I think it's just jive and you have to play it 40 times. Yeah. It kind of gets to, you start thinking about it before that part comes up and you're going, Oh, <laughs> here we go. Again. Here we go. Again. <laughs> I think everything we did though was thoughtful. I don't think there was any, Oh yeah, all right. Scribble that down. That's okay. No, everything was no. pretty much vetted, and that part of that might be because there's two people involved, mm -hmm. so you can't get away with it. And there really wasn't a lot to do in Minneapolis yeah. during a lot of it. I mean, right. it was locked down. Yeah. You know? We can go over this over and over <laughs> yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah. Where are we going? And we <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> One night, Dan, they had the curfew. And Dan, oh, so we weird. we kept going, and then Dan had to sneak home. <laughs> and I was like, kind of, it was like the George Floyd stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, they're not going to really enforce it. I was at Jeff's house, and I I get he in St. Paul. I was driving, and there's like no cars anywhere. Right. And so I was thinking, well, National like, Guard. Uh, yeah, the National. It was. I was like, I'm going to get pulled over. So my mother was in memory care at that time, and I was thinking my story would be like my mom had a you know, slip in the shower, and I had to go visit her in memory care. But it was like it was. So eerie. I mean, both both of you. I just, I, I, I've never seen anything like it. It was like I said, right. there's a curfew at 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. But how serious could they be? They were they dead were, serious. They were dead serious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of my my memories of that time. So the pandemic's going on, and then uh, the George Floyd right. unrest goes on, and I had uh, I I worked swing shift at the time, so I was out at different times of the day going to work. I had one letter saying I could be out during the pandemic because I was an essential worker and I had another letter in my car that said I can be out past curfew because I'm yeah. an essential worker. <laughs> I was like, this is yeah. what an odd yeah. time. That's so. sort of the backdrop of a lot of this writing. You know, that's why it seems like some of it's, you know, dark, but it's like, I don't know how else it could be. I mean, you're thinking like the whole mm -hmm. world looks different than it did right. four months ago when you woke up, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and it happened so quick. You're and just it's like, really the perspective. I mean, it's like, you know, if you can't think of something to write about that's meaningful impacting you now i don't think there'll ever be a time right you know yeah all right so while we were uh playing our first song um bridge yeah. said that uh she had analyzed dan's reoccurring dream about the foam mitts on my <laughs> hand. <laughs> so bridge i would like to turn it over to you and and you can help us break down what dan's dream means okay i'll do that first but then i have a particular question about rosary there was a lyric that really stuck out to me that i want to know what you're what it was written for but i'll get into the dream okay so nothing about foam and specifically <laughs> but generally so when you have a dream of any kind of like deformity so like your hand is is specific so it's an alert for your tendency to jump from one thing to another without completing your initial responsibilities and tasks so you may be overindulging in a sinful or foolish pursuits. Mm -hmm. You do not know where you are healed in life and what you really want to do with yourself. The dream is a sign for your need to be nurtured and cared for. Someone in your life may be on the defensive and are not, um, and are not exposing their vulnerabilities. So a dream about 
deformed hand specifically suggests a dissatisfaction with the direction that a project or a situation is going. Which would so, be my old band that I'm no longer in is always the band that I'm playing with in my dream when I get foam hands at the guitar star. So yeah, that, it says, that's well, kind of telling. Yeah. So anytime you have that dream, I would like write it down and kind of note where you're at in your life. It says the key thing is in some way you're selling yourself short. The dream signifies insight, creativity, and inspiration. And you need to reserve your time and energy towards something that really feeds your soul. And you're saying that I'm working out issues that I didn't complete the first task that was assigned to me. And I move on to a second task without completing that. And that's like the, the, that's yeah. the, the, the rub on that dream essentially, which is pretty telling too in, in content, in context. I mean, it really is. Hey, plus bridge just gave us the name of the next record. Sinful pursuit. <laughs> there you go that's pretty great yeah thanks bridge yeah. so tell me about your lyric query i'm, I'm curious because that song is really um it's 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 all over the place and i'm, I'm curious to get your your insight I'm, i'll i'll let you know um it'll probably be a new insight to me as well and to jeff well, just, you know, I just, I'll be honest, it just stuck out to me for one reason or another, but it's a sinful pursuit. It was a line in Rosary that said something like, and Bob, about forgetting the sins you don't even know. So I was wondering if maybe there's been sec oh, secrets, secrets that you don't even know. So I was wondering if there was any secrets later revealed to you or you, if there's something. For me, it made me think of situations where I felt somebody was lying. I felt somebody was not being faithful or I felt just that energy was off, but I could never prove it. I think the, the kind of telling the, the, the phrase like, um, hold on tight because love is like a rosary. I think my thinking of that line and sort of the sentiment of the song, it's like people will stay in a relationship that doesn't bring them joy and it doesn't bring them happiness. And they stay in the relationship because they're in love and they say they're in love. And I was thinking of like love being a metaphor, like a rosary that's kind of an article of faith. Like a rosary is something that people hold up to, you know, to protect themselves or whatever. But it's basically just a piece of metal on a chain. So I was kind of running the analogy that hold on tight because love is like a rosary. Like love could be like something that's just an article of faith that people cling to when it's past its expiration date. So actually the song is kind of dark. <laughs> I love it more. Oh my gosh, because I was connecting it on it from a darker perspective. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, so the song is lighter than the darkness you were feeling. <laughs> yeah, how about hold on tight, love is like a rosary, and then pause, which probably isn't going to work in the yeah. end. <laughs> it's definitely an anti-love song. Yeah. Good luck with that, kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try to stop the vampire with that rosary. Yeah, good, good luck. Go we thought it was going to create a, a new dance phrase where people would be at a club and they'd have a rosary and they'd just oh, hold it up and like, they yeah. shake it. That's, that's the new dance, the rosary. <laughs> well, you'd have to come up with a song that goes through it step by step. Yeah, yeah. You know. you get second verse, same as yeah. the first. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, the song that never ends <laughs> so all right so we have uh, a very special segment of this show and uh, we're gonna get to it right now it is now time for the WFNULP out the window weather report I told you we had a fancy opening for that segment. yes you do so um, we're waiting for our first award for this segment um, and uh, so it's no pressure but it's probably hanging uh, on YouTube right now to do a great weather report in order for us to get our first great award for this show. Wow. 
Can we do it like in a radio guy voice? You absolutely can. <laughs> Dan, my forecast is mild depression. <laughs> my emotional weather <laughs> forecast. You know, in the end, that's what it comes down to. As white as a new gray, because it's white out there. There's a whiteout. It looks kind of, I, I mean, to look out this window, there's a huge parking lot. I saw a lone soul walking through it. There's, it's pretty, pretty dreary. I wouldn't recommend um, getting off your meds today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay in your pajamas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Make sure your prescription is updated. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not too good. I mean, in a nutshell, right? I was smart enough years ago, like when I when I contemplated, like when I left the band, I like spent. I was like a snowbird a few years before my age. I so I I've spent like six or seven or eight years in Florida, and I'd go like November through April and come back every couple of weeks for stuff. But this is like my third winter here um, in a long time, and I'm not sure I'm down with it. <laughs> is that just in all candor to you now? yeah <laughs> no i knew it that's why i wanted to move down there. i said this sucks i can make it not suck i can get on a plane for three hours and i'm somewhere like i can wear flip-flops so i, yeah, I was right. into it but as i look out here i'm coming to grips with what a possibly bad decision that was to to give up that yeah but that one day in june is gonna oh, yeah. make it all yeah, worth no, it no you're right you're right we gotta hang in hope's eternal buddy yeah, right hope's eternal. <laughs> Especially if you're in a sinful pursuit. Right. <laughs> yeah, especially if you start having a reoccurring dream. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Eat somewhere. That's a cue. Yeah. yeah. Number one, number right, one. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, what if you just press one string with the one finger of the foam hand? Won't that... It should absorb whatever chemical you were putting on yeah. there, right? <laughs> I guess you're in the band Morphine if you do that. That's kind of what they did, right? Yeah, this is a thing where you have these on so you're not putting that chemical on the guitar, yeah. right? You, It's, it's self-care. Like it masks, but but it was growing off my hands, too. You know? oh. oh, the the foam hands had the bad... Yeah, it was. It was. It looked like a foam hand, but it was actually. A, oh, it a, was your hand. As oh. as Bridge was saying, it was like it was a, a physical deformity, deformity oh, that God. wasn't something that I put yeah. on it, it. My hand became that. Oh, which I, is the dark yeah. part of that dream. I yeah. thought you had put foam hands on, so that's. Well, good if it clarity. was that easy, I could have just taken, <laughs> taken them off. Them and off. I, I could have had a good dream. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, and then you can actually turn that into a lyric, say, yes. like, like foam hands growing on. Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to totally be listening to the next album for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, the rest of the uh, weather for today, uh, we're going to have a high near 33 uh, snow possible all day long. Uh, with a daytime accumulation of 1 to 3 inches possible. Tonight we could have some rain mixed in before 2 a.m. and then a chance of snow after that at a low around 26. Um, and then tomorrow we have a 40% chance of snow. It'll be mostly cloudy with a high of 34. Um, and for tomorrow night we have an, uh, the percent chance of snow is still the same at 40%, mainly before 7 p.m. and patchy blowing snow between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m., mostly cloudy with the low around 20 right now currently in Frogtown, we are looking at 30 degrees it's like uh just enough to be annoying the snow and the temperature um without it actually doing anything to make you think you can get anything done today so you know what though it's our own fault right because we all decided yep. to live here that's right right we're all, we could all leave if we wanted to but it's so funny that people like 
I, having been back, but people are like, oh, it's going to really snow tomorrow. I was like, of course it is. We're in Minneapolis. You know? <laughs> Dan, you can't leave during the hockey tournament. Yeah. I mean, you right. yeah, have yeah. to wait till Sunday. And it'll always come back, like in the basketball tournament. It'll always be mm-hmm. like the last storm of the year. Yeah. yeah, so this is nothing new to us. March is the snowiest month of the year for those outside yeah. of Minnesota. Listening. And this year has been no different, you know? Yeah. Um, tomorrow is... Uh, Daylight savings, too. Mm. Uh, we skip forward an hour, just so our listeners know about that. Selection Sunday for the NCAA tournament. St. Patrick's Day is coming up soon. St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Do you either one of you celebrate St. Patrick's Day? We played at the Astor last year. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. It was one of our first Scarlet Goodbye shows. Did a little version of uh, Dirty Old Town on the occasion of St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day. Nice. Mm-hmm. How many shows have you played as the Scarlet Goodbye? What do you think? Uh, Ten. Yeah, we've got a nice, robust calendar lined up for this spring and summer and fall. So it's it's coming together for us live. We've yeah, got I mean, a really good band, Pat Frederick, Pat Nelson, and Ben Peterson as our touring band. Okay. And they're great. And there's like, you know, a few things where it falls apart for a second here and there, and some shows are really, but it's like, I just keep reminding myself, I mean, I've a, it's a brand new band. And I've only, like in my life, I've been in three bands my mm-hmm. whole existence. So it's like... You know, you kind of learn how people react to situations and adversity or not adversity. But it's like kind of we're just starting to kind of get our groove like we kind of, mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's it doesn't go without saying that it's like pretty much at this point it's still a brand new project, especially live, you know. Yeah. It's that feeling out process, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you think people will think, oh, 10 song or ten shows in. I mean, what what is there to learn? No, there's still a lot to learn. <laughs> it's 10 shows. <laughs> I mean, every show's been different so far, yeah, for sure. Right. You know? Yeah. So, where can we find this list of events? Where Do you have a website? Yep. The and- shows are on the website, thescarletgoodbye.com. And if you go to the website, the shows are listed. The record comes out March 24th. Okay. And so, vinyl and CDs will be available at record stores and then streaming on March 24th, too. Awesome. So, yeah. Yep. And we're also releasing a video on the 24th for the song, The Ballad of Julianne, that we talked yeah. about. So that'll be, I think we're going to try to set it up at the Ice House, that before we go on, uh, Pablo Jones, who is a filmmaker, is going to introduce the band, and we're going to try to set up a, like a projection screen like they used to do in front of First Avenue back in the day yep. and show the video, I think, as sort of like a video release date as well. Okay. Awesome. So that's yeah. in the works. I think I think I found out yesterday we're going to be actually be able to make that happen. So okay, nice. yeah, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Then you get all that extra stuff to come see. You can buy a physical copy of the album. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, having vinyl was pretty cool. It's like I think the artwork's kind of striking, and it's on crimson, crimson red vinyl, which I think is yes, pretty cool. I saw a picture of. I was going to ask you about what, who decided on the colors of the of the vinyl. Well, I have an office. My business is officed at Noiseland um, in Northeast. I have a gallery, and the owner of the gallery is Andrew, and he does vinyl and CE packaging. So, like, okay. even like when Adele did vinyl for Last Record, he did it, and he has like a uh, a vinyl plant in a small town in France. And so, we, you know, it was like a four month turnover to get the vinyl done, and then we mastered that. But it's like. Very much, obviously, anybody that knows music is a very much, you know, kind of coveted item. But I thought it was not easy to do vinyl, and it delayed our release by a little bit. But when I saw that in my hand, I was like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it looks really nice. Go ahead, Bridge. And I love all the artwork for all your songs and albums. Like, I don't know what it is. I think it's like 
I love vintage like pinup girls. I love like that that's what it is. Era. <laughs> yes, I love every one. Yeah, well, thank you. I have a online, well, not online. I have an art gallery, and like back in the day, I would buy vintage um, pinup paintings that were used for calendars, like from the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. There was a lot of calendar companies here in St. Paul. So I have a history, like, appreciating and buying and selling vintage pinup art, pulp art, paperback book art, that kind of whole 50s, 60s kind of lurid and otherworldly imagery, I think, is kind of uh, impactful for the the record. And most of the yeah, most of the I mean, the, I think the record jacket is is pretty interesting. There's a woman that's kind of in a circus uniform, and she's above like this circus wheel, and then someone has has thrown knives behind her, and so she's like, you know, like the knife girl in a circus. And I thought that kind of rang well with the title "Hope's mm-hmm. Eternal" because she's got to be pretty hopeful that the next knife doesn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. Uh, now we talked a little bit about uh, who plays with you live, who is on the album, which who which music- musicians. Yeah, they're are the, the same guys: Pat Nelson playing bass, Ben Peterson playing drums, Pat Frederick, who was one of the founders of a, another great Minnesota band, Daisy Dillman. Uh, violin and keyboards and then we got some other great people that we've worked with Jeff Victor a guy Kenny Wilson playing lap steel and a uh, guy Michael Nelson playing percussion and keyboards so and Jeff yeah. and I did the acoustic guitars a lot of the keyboards Jeff played a lot of the percussion um, yeah I mean um, we kind of kept it in house it was really yeah. nice to just kind of record a track and you know we started recording this quite a while ago so we've worked kind of in fits and starts over the last couple of years, but it feels good to, to, to have time to write a record. And we also did this thing when there was a new song, we recorded it right away before we played it live and it got to be something that you played 10 times. Yeah. So I think the kind of like when something was written enough to record, we'd go right in and we'd record it like when it was still a really, really fresh idea. And I think to my ears, at least, that really mm-hmm. shows on the recording. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of has this discovery aspect to it, like, oh, that's how that goes, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Kind of gives you like a preview of Yeah, and the first time you do that is like in a band, like you play something cohesively. It's, sometimes it can be hard to capture that a month later. Right. Um, where are you online? Uh, where can our listeners find you online? We're on Instagram. Yeah, we're not streaming yet with the music. There's right. four songs so, that are streaming on everywhere, like Pandora. Oh, that's right. That's right. There are four singles. Out. Yep. yep. So I think Sandy, Rosary... Angel Dust and the song called Panic and Blame are on like Spotify, yep. Yep. Apple Music. They're on all the streaming platforms. Yeah, so there's four singles that are out. There's 12 songs on the record. Okay. So on March 24th, the other eight will be available. And then our website. And then, yeah, follow us on Instagram because obviously we talk all the time about where we're playing and what's going on on Instagram. Right. The old yeah. self-promotion site. <laughs> well, I literally just followed you guys. It's all Thank right. you. Thank you. Got all those, so anybody, I'll give You're you a You're our 23rd follower. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, right now, I've made 499, so somebody should, right now, follow you on Instagram. You will be the 500 nice. winner follower. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of late at starting that game, but, it, you know, I mean, it is, it's a useful Right. It's a useful asset to have, I guess. Yeah. Do you two keep up with Instagram, or do you have somebody behind the scenes doing that for you? Uh, kind of a little combination of yeah. all those things. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's not my joy in life, and i got to figure that someone's half my age would be twice as good at it as <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, that's... We have a label, the label group in Nashville, so they do a lot of it. 
Oh, you know, that, yeah. that takes a lot of the, yeah. like some of that behind the scenes. Well, the cool thing off. is a record and it'll have like distribution by Universal Music Group, which is nice, valuable in this, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff kind of worked that for us. Nice mm-hmm. work, buddy. Thank you. Way to go, Thank Jeff. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> so um, tell us what, what's, so what's in store? You have this show and you have uh, the album coming out, but do you have plans for, you obviously Bridge named the second album, so now you yeah, have to do a second album. we're working on that. We have four <laughs> songs, actually, that we're working on right away. Monday night, Dan's coming over to do more. We're going to play at the... Um, um, Palmer's outdoor when they re- open their back music area, we're playing with Turn 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 this summer at uh, Hook and Ladder. Playing at the uh, what's that hotel downtown? The Hewing Hotel. We'll be playing the, down okay. there at their outdoor deal. We're going to be up in northern Minnesota on and off. All that stuff's on the website, and we're working on new mu- new music too. Yeah, we went to a recording studio that's been around forever in twenty sixth and Nicollet called Creation. And we went in the back room there, and like the other record we tracked at Jeff's place, we decided to like go to like a kind of a formal, informal recording studio, and we tracked four new songs, kind of keeping with the spirit that when something's written and we feel comfortable with, we want to get in there and do it. So that was kind of a new experience, but it, it mm-hmm. was it was fun. Yeah. So I think you know we're gonna just keep writing straight through as long as we have ideas, and there's some talk about maybe going out of town to do some recording with mutual friends we have in the business and. Um, I mean, that's been the fun part for me. I mean, performing has been fun, but it's stressful. But like recording, it seems like we really are comfortable doing that. Right. It's more of the... It, com- it seems to come pretty easy so yeah, far. the bike riding part. I think when the next pandemic hits... Uh, <laughs> We're going to be ready. We'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've lived through it before. Yeah. yeah, we know what to do. Yeah, we know what to do. <laughs> So we're going to need copies of your letters, Mike. Yeah, allowing absolutely. Us to, uh, yeah, you bring can, curfew. They're laminated now, yeah. so excellent. It's going to be perfect. So I uh, still am amazed that even three years later, we're still getting pan. I call it pandemic music. Yeah, uh, with artists writing oh, yeah. and releasing yeah. no the music. Be- yeah. I mean, they pandemic be- music on our record. I mean, the song "Fresh New Hell" is like very blatantly about that, and I've started writing that the lyrics to it. I was like, you know, like the pandemic was a five-minute or two-minute part of the news cycle, not 23 and a half hours. And I was like mm-hmm. kind of watching this, like, what is this thing, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it was like kind of daunting, but it, I had no idea it would be the devastation that it was. So it seems like when I listen to that song now, it seems kind of naive, but it's like sitting there with a pen and a glass of wine and, and a notebook kind of saying, well, this could be something. And so I kind of just would watch it on TV and like react to it. So like when I listen to the lyrics now, I mean, I would never have written it had I known what that was going to be like. Right. But it's also kind of interesting because it's like sort of real time. I mean, this is a very visceral but not very thought out reaction to what that might look like, the pandemic. Right. The uh, tell us in in radio school, they give us a little science uh, lesson about radio waves and that they're infinite and that they keep just going mm. out so somewhere in space there's all these radio waves tesla right yeah, yeah. You know, someone someone's listening to it so i always i was been thinking i was like man when they get to this part of our lives oh, they're gonna dude. be like what the heck happened down there that's really interesting it kind of just gave me chills that perspective <laughs> yeah. it certainly is an asterisk if nothing right, more, right yeah yeah so but i think it's great because it's it's Right now, you're kind of getting that mix of, okay, I wrote this song. 
during this time, and I still think it's good enough to get on this record, but I'm also going to be putting other songs around it mm-hmm. that kind of are like the same theme or central theme sometimes. Um, yeah, I think and a lot of people... getting a good mix. A lot of people wrote, you know, what turned out to be specifically pandemic records. I mean, right. and, you know, and yeah. And it made independent artists kind of figure out how do I record this stuff? Now I'm at home and I can't go anywhere. Yeah. So they figured out uh, a lot of DIY type of recording. (laughs) Jeff and I had a funny thought. Like we were watching people that kind of, you know, people that have been doing it a long time and they're like their record management or someone said, Hey, we need to do like a week, a (laughs) weekly, you know, video video. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I can kind of compare them. Some of them were so it's like hostage tape. Right. You know, like yeah. I was forced to do this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you definitely found out like who was doing it because they were told they should <laughs> and who was doing it because yeah. I don't, all my gigs are gone. This is what I have to do. Yeah. And I really like performing. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is how we're going to do it now. And I think, you know, the social media companies were just eating that up because it's so much more engagement of course, yeah. <laughs> on their, on their stuff. So, um, Jeff, now you have... Uh, released music, you've produced music. Um, so you've been on uh, both sides of the equations yeah. in yeah. depth. Which one do you like doing more? I like them both. I mean, I really love them both. Um, if you like, pre- I always liked the gear, you know, mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I liked, I had a shoebox tape recorder, you know, and I was fascinated by the gear as well as making the music. So I, the idea that I was, lucky enough to keep going because the technology has changed so much you know even for you mike i mean you know whatever the evolution of all this stuff is away from tape machines into digital recording and everything and in the process of mastering that that software which is no joke you know i feel lucky that i just kept going because some people didn't the minute we moved away from tape machines they were like i'm not learning Pro Pro Tools. tools, Right, yeah. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, so I love, I either like it or you don't. I can sit there and edit for, well, Bridge, you're an editor, right? You you must like it. Oh, I was just thinking about how, you know, I I started with my own little, I still have little personal podcast, but because of this Creators Canvas thing, I'm like, I realize there's so much better technology (laughs) out there, and I've had an excuse now to upgrade, but I still like my in-home studio for my little podcast. It's so funny you say that, Bridge, because Jeff's studio has been sitting there as it sits for a while, and Jeff's like, I should really, the computers crash sometimes. I should really upgrade this. But to me, it's it's just a setup that it just works so well. It's like almost like a time capsule. And how it's like probably your computer up there is like 10 or 12 years old. Yeah, 10 years old. Yeah. But it's just like, like, why would you mess with it? Because like you plug a guitar cord into an amp, you put a mic on it, you hear it back, and you go, oh, that sounds really nice. I mean, like, the amount of, like, fussing with sounds yeah. and stuff we had to do on this record, like, I've never seen anything like it. I made Usually you spend, you know, two days getting your drum sounds, and then you get your bass sound, and, like, the first week of working on a record, you're not really recording anything. You're just setting sounds, and, like, at Jeff's mm. little studio, we're able to do that in an hour or two. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you learn how to splice on reel-to-reel? I, I didn't. And there's a guy in town, Steve Weiss, who owns Creation, the studio, the famous, it's a real famous old studio, um, that a guy named Bruce Swedeen had worked at. And Swedeen was the engineer on Michael Jackson's Thriller record. Oh, awesome. You know? Wow. And Swedeen had been there, and he was a, by the way, on, on Thriller, on the uh, Billy Jean track, they made 100 mixes 
of that song, Whoa. and they ended up using mix two. I always remember <laughs> that, which is true. Yeah. You know, it's, you did ninety eight more. You didn't need to. No, you get back into that thing we talked about, where you just keep going because it's like, oh, the tambourine it needs to come down a quarter of a decibel. There was a lot of powders and stuff around in studios back then too. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. Well, they kept going. Anyways, um, Weiss, who owns that thing, was a master, and I saw him do it. Well, I don't know if you ever saw that, Dan, where they're cutting the tape with a razor blade. Two-inch tape. They put them on the, on the ceiling. Yeah. yeah I was, I, you know, it was heart-wrenching to yeah. watch this. Because there's you know, your track on a wall. And, yeah. like, yeah. you know. They, yeah, and he's moving the reels, going, right. finding, finding the, the thing. And right like, on the playhead. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They actually, they taught us that uh, at Brown. Yeah. So it was like the little eighth-inch yeah, we worked with an engineer in uh, the '80s named Ed Stasium that did a lot of Ramones records, and uh, he, we had a song. It was called um, uh, uh, "It was a song on Hang Time," and it had I think fifty-two edits oh. in a song. <laughs> that's, that's a little hot. too clean is a song. <laughs> right. So there were 52-inch pieces of tape between 6 and 36 <laughs> inches on a wall. <laughs> that was the track that we spent three days recording. Yeah. I was like, that's not very reassuring. You that, know? that visual, just like, that's my song. Yeah. And that's my song. That and used to be my, my song. song. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, though, Dan, your first actual recording experience in a studio would have been in the late 80s or something. Blackberry Way, the place in, that yeah. Quinton used in Dinkytown, yeah. But... 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the difference between what happens now and what happened back then is so massive, but it doesn't mean it's better. So Dan and I, I think when we record, we don't do a lot of the stuff that you could do today with regard to time alignment and all these other things. We, right. we try to get the take. It's pretty old school. We try and get the take and maybe I'll manipulate the take a little bit, but compared to what technically could be done today we don't do that you know because i think it takes obviously it takes some of the soul out of the thing sounds like my new sound intro in 30 seconds there's more definitely more than 52 edits oh good bridge we can hook you up with the intro we're pretty good at that you know i would love that please and an interview guys yeah Yeah. i gotta say though jeff is um uh, great at producing and he's very good at editing he's very musical and um he has an abundance of patience which is really something that comes in handy in the studio because you get people that kind of flashy Full buzzes energy, and lights hyper. yeah <laughs> so it was it was good i mean we really again we didn't really know each other when we started and within a couple of weeks we were yeah. in a pretty serious groove it was yeah. like easy i love hearing dan's stories too because he'd be like oh yeah we went to spain for seven months and recorded <laughs> this record and then i was in hollywood for a year recording this song this one song yeah we you know like year. everybody does i know but you never see like on the like on the way up you, you have some success and you, you know you and every time you make a record you're up you're thinking yourself partially that it's the best thing you ever did and the record company tells you it's the best thing you ever did so you never really see that the sheet can be pulled, you know, off of, you know, Oz. Right. <laughs> and Dave actually wrote a pretty funny song. It was called, we never recorded, it was called, I Can't Let Him Know I Don't Know What I'm Doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Gave that to our record company, you know. <laughs> awesome. Well, we got to get going because Bridge's new show, Creators Canvas, is starting soon. Yeah, Bridge. We don't want to. Bridge, yeah. Don't want to miss that. So, uh, The Scarlet Goodbye, Jeff and Dan, thank yeah, you very thank much. You, Mike. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, Bridge. That's so awesome. A real I'm pleasure. To your show. Yeah, come on down. 
Thank I'm you. Going. All right. We'll catch you next week on the 945 show.